Somebody wanted to be like God. And now preachers are telling me as a young Christian that I need to be like God. I need to be like Jesus. So now I know Jesus is God. And now if I try to be like him, am I not falling into the same trap that my brother and sister Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden? So you can see where my angst and my confusion started to come from. To be like Jesus or not to be like Jesus? That is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of a rage. Sorry. That's Shakespeare. That's, that's, that's Shakespeare here. But the bottom line is that I want to make sure when we leave here in the next 90 minutes that we have, I mean, the next hour. Come on. Okay, 30 minutes tops. I want to make sure that when we leave here at lunchtime, we all got a good idea of what we actually mean when we say we walk with Jesus and what that looks like practically to walk in Christ. So let's look at Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a couple of other English translations because we're only going through two verses this morning. And I want you to just see how a different version of the Bible can help give you a fuller understanding. So Joshua read for us from the New International Version, and usually on a Sunday, we read that. It's, it's a good public uh, English Bible. It's good for reading, easy to understand. But when I study, I like to use a couple literal Bibles and a paraphrase. And so I'm going to read quickly here the English Standard Version, and then also a paraphrase called The Voice, and the New American Standard. So the English Standard goes like this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord... So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding with thanksgiving. So that's a good literal translation of that scripture. Now, let's go to the version I use for my devotionals. In the morning, when I grab a cup of coffee, I sit down with the Bible, I want to connect with Jesus. I read from the paraphrase called The Voice, and it reads like this. Now that you have welcomed the anointed one, Jesus, the Lord, into your lives, continue to journey with him and allow him to shape your lives. Let your roots grow down deeply in him and let him build you up on a firm foundation. Be strong in the faith, just as you were taught, and always spill over with thankfulness. It opens it up a little bit more. It unpacks the idea a little bit fuller. And now... The version that I like to use for study when I'm sitting in the office and I crack open is the New American Standard Bible. And it's kind of like the ESV, and it reads like this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, overflowing with gratitude. So... I like to use a variety of different Bibles, and I ask you to do the same thing. And this is the time where I would now go into a little Bible commercial, but I'll skip it and just say, you need to have a Bible that you can understand so that God can speak to you, that he can cut to your heart, penetrate, transform you. And if you don't have a Bible that you can understand, talk to myself, Pastor Ken, anybody. We'll, we'll make sure you get a Bible that you can understand. That way, God can speak to you. So there's our scripture. Let's have a quick word of prayer, and uh, we'll share a message with you this morning. Father God, I ask that your spirit now open up our hearts, 
Open up our minds to receive your word. God, help me to decrease so that you can increase in this moment as we look at what it looks like to walk in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Let me remind you of something you've heard before, or for some of you, it might be the first time. If God is going to do anything in and through your life, it all starts by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. As you may or may not know, it's been a pretty busy week for conversations in the news and on social media, Twitter and Facebook, about depression about the hopelessness and the darkness of depression because a well-known actor, celebrity, comedian decided to take his own life last week. And now many people are talking about this conversation. And now I felt I needed to address this. It might push us over a little bit, but I felt I wanted to talk just a little bit because it's a very important subject in our culture right now. So aside from getting too sidetracked, just allow me to state a few things up front. To some degree, I think we've all experienced depression, some form of hopelessness or darkness. These are the two symptoms that most people seem to agree on. With depression comes darkness and hopelessness. Now, why do I say I think most of us have experienced depression a little bit? Because I believe the Bible is true, and I believe that it has taught me that we are all broken in some way. We're not the way we're supposed to be. In fact, the Bible says that we're all sinners and we fall short of God's glorious, holy standard. Now, I know that depression is still unknown a little bit in the medical field. They don't know everything they know. I know you may have a deficiency in serotonin or oxytocin, and they can give you medication that can build up uh, those for you. You can take a pill. That can help. But I believe that there is a spiritual part to depression because we are broken, because we're not so the way we're supposed to be. There's this dark, depressing side to all of us, and I know firsthand what that feels like to be trapped by life. I know what it feels like not to want to get out of bed in the morning. I know what it's like to not want to go outside and stand in the sun or go out with family and friends. I used to want to be alone all the time. I didn't want to go out, and I really started to wonder if this world would be better off without me. But I had somebody step into this darkness with me, and he pulled me out of the black hole that I was in, and his name was Jesus Christ. I believe that no matter what it is that you face in this world, Jesus Christ is the answer. The darkness of sin can only be cured by what Jesus did for you and I on the cross when he paid the penalty for our sins, the perfect sacrifice. And Jesus didn't die just for you and me to be forgiven of our sin and kind of punch that ticket into heaven. But he rose from the grave, and he lives today. All the other religious leaders, Mohammed, Krishna, Buddha, L. Ron Hubbard, Confucius, they're all dead, but Jesus is alive. Now, there's a book in the Bible called the Book of Acts, and it's a story where God introduces this great helper, this internal power that is available to all of us who believe and follow Jesus Christ as Lord and King. This amazing gift Jesus said, is the Holy Spirit of God. And he comes to reside in all those who repent of their sin and give their life to Jesus. I believe this is why my hopelessness went away. I believe this is why my darkness went away. I cannot speak for Robin Williams. I cannot speak for any of you here today dealing with depression. But as for myself, Jesus was the one who stepped in and set me free. 
My past before Jesus is not a colorful one. It's not a, it is a colorful one. It is dark and it can be depressing and there were a lot of low points in my life. But it was Jesus that was my turning point. It was Jesus who stepped in there and was there for me when I was ready to call it quits. So I speak out of the, what Jesus did for me and the good news for what he did for me personally. He changed my life. And I'll never be the same because the gospel penetrated me. And now what I want to do is share that good news with other people. So first and foremost, I always say, if God is going to do anything in and through your life, it all starts by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't say that because now I'm a pastor and that's what I'm supposed to say. But I say that because I'm a life that was changed. And I just got to tell other people about it. So if we end the message right here, we're pretty good right now because... You would know the most important news that this world could reveal. And that is, yes, the world can suck. Yes, people are broken. There may seem to be dark hopelessness on every newspaper and on every news channel. But I assure you that there is a God. And he is good. And he is in control. And he has a plan. And the most importantly, you can trust him in his plan. He created you for a reason. He created you for a purpose. And it all begins by getting to know Jesus Christ as Lord and King of your life. Amen. Amen. And now for today's sermon, pull out your pen. This is actually uh, where the Colossians part sticks in. But the world was shocked by the news of Robin Williams. But I think that Jesus is big enough to pull us out of those hopeless states. So this morning's big idea is the Christian life is not about you doing something for God. It's about you being with God and Him doing something through you. For the longest time, I thought once you become a Christian, automatically, the next thing you got to do is you got to find something to do. You got to volunteer. That's what being a Christian is all about. God wants us to work, right? He wants us to be the hands and feet of Christ. Christians are supposed to make the world a better place, right? There's a, there's a lot of rules and regulations if you're going to follow Christianity, right? Well, let me tell you something about following Jesus. And after I'm done with this statement, you can raise your hand if you've ever heard this before about Christianity. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. Have you heard that before? Okay, good. Because it's true. And you should know what, it, what is true about what you believe, right? Now, it may be the biggest cliche in Christianity. But the reason it's a cliche is because it comes from truth. And... Let me tell you, God is not so much concerned about how much money you put in the offering plate or how much you volunteer or how much you listen to Christian radio or what TV shows you watch or don't watch. But God does care about how much you spend in time with prayer with him and how much time you spend in the scripture listening for God to speak to you because that's how your relationship with God is formed. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus if you do not spend time in his word. That's a promise, my friends. I feel like sometimes we, we think that we got to just pull up our bootstraps and we got to work harder, do this, do that, try harder, all so that the kingdom of God uh, won't fall apart, that we can get Christian ministry done, and somehow if we don't do this, 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 and that, then it's all going to fall apart. But believe me, I learned this. We serve a very big God and he can manage this world without us. He can take care of this church without me. 
The world was here long before I got here, and it'll be here long after I'm gone, I'm sure. But I had to learn this the hard way. Did you know that I can't change somebody's life? I can't. Apparently, I don't change people's life. God does. And thankfully, he's somebody that we can trust to do it. He changes people's lives. It's a humbling experience for some of us, and it was for me. After I realized that I don't have the power to change anybody. And it's actually good news because it lets the pressure off of me a little bit to realize that salvation is a God thing. It's not my thing. I'm sorry, you guys, but you just cannot love somebody enough to make them follow Jesus. You cannot love somebody into salvation. And I want us to see that this is a freeing feeling. And, and it's satisfying to know that, that the pressure is not on you to save your family or your friends. It's not up to you to get them to heaven. The number one thing for you to do is to know Jesus Christ, to know your Savior, get to know him, follow him, make sure he's the center of your life. And then when you fill that role, everything else is going to fall into place. God's primary call on your life is not to ministry. Do, 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 do. No, his primary call is to intimacy. Get to know him. The closer your relationship is with Jesus, then the more God moments that you're going to experience also. Again, I want to remind you that God wants you to know him in a very personal, very intimate way. The reason our Father in heaven, our creator, God sent Jesus into this earth was for us to have an opportunity to be in a right relationship with him again. And our creator, our Father God, holy and righteous is he. The sin that we have separates us from him. And we need to be redeemed in order to get back into a right relationship with him. Our sins need to be dealt with, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. He gave us an opportunity to be back in a right relationship with God. And when you realize all that God has done for you, first and foremost, the most obvious experience to happen is you need to respond to that love. You need to respond to his grace, respond to his mercy, and you cannot help but have your life explode in such a way that other people want to find out what happened to you. Why is he different? Why doesn't he do that anymore? Why is it when I'm with him, something seems to be alive? Because it's God. God has changed a person's life. Now, here comes the second biggest cliche in Christianity. Whenever you're facing trouble, whenever you've got things going on, what do you do? You read the Bible and you pray. Scripture and prayer. Time and conversation with God. If you really want to get to know somebody... How do you do that? Right? Victor, well, Victor's going into grade seven. How about some of you high school guys up there? Toby? Alpha? How do you get to know somebody? I mean, hey, there's a cute girl. She's in grade 11. She's in my science class there. How do you get to know that cute girl? That's right. You text her. You phone her. You check out her Instagram, send her a Facebook message, call her up on the phone, go out of your way to see her in the cafeteria. You might go to a movie, you might hang out, go to a concert, go to a sporting event, but you're going to talk to each other, you're going to spend time together, and a relationship will be built. Hey, you might even find out that it leads to marriage, but it's no different with God. You need to talk to him, you need to hang out with him, you need to do these things to build the relationship, and that happens through time in the Word and through prayer. Prayer gives you the opportunity to put words to the conversation with God. And when you read the scripture, God can speak to you. His word is right there. Now, we know this. Walking in Christ 
becomes a matter of living in obedience. Being a Christian and following Jesus is more about trusting than it is about trying. It's not about you living for God, but it is about God living through you. Because we have faith that God speaks through his word, then we trust him. And we just need to listen for him, and he'll lead us to do something. Then we're not constantly running around trying to do this and do that, and, and, and we might even be trying to do good things, but it's not for you to do. He didn't ask you to do that. We need to listen for his voice. And this is when the God moments begin to happen in your life. The more you trust, the more that you know the shepherd's voice, he will lead you to do something, and then you get to experience these God moments more and more. That's the life of a Christian. We put the focus of our relationship, the focus is on our relationship with Jesus, and it is our walk in Christ that sets the tone for day-to-day living. But what does it mean? What does that mean to walk in Christ? Do we wait for God to lead, or do we get started on our own first? Do we trust, or do we try? Are we to do, or are we to be? I think that today's topic is one of those cases where we may fall into the trap of making it more difficult than it really is. And... I would like to have happen here is to have this profound simplicity in today's text so help us to understand it so that we can know what it means to walk in Christ and then how it plays out in our day-to-day life because it can make a significant difference in the amount of joy that you have every day because let's be honest even even the apostle Peter recognized that there's part of the scripture that's pretty difficult to understand but I'm, I'm going to go along with Mark Twain, who said, you know what, friends? It's not the scriptures in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the verses in the scripture that I do understand that give me the most trouble. Because you know what, guys, gals? If, if we were just to focus on a handful of things that Jesus told us to do, some of these things that are crystal clear, scriptures like look after widows, look after orphans, take care of the homeless, feed the hungry, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, if we were to focus on a couple of those clear texts, it would change our neighborhoods, change our school, change our family, change the city, change the country. And that's just the things that we do understand. I think there are a lot of uncomplicated commands in the Bible for Christians to follow. And we need to be striving towards them. And Jesus recognized it's not easy. He even said to Peter, hey, I know the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But we need to learn and remember and live out the biblical truth that our primary duty is to know Jesus. Jesus wants us to know him and to know his voice. After all, he is the great shepherd. We're, our, we're the sheep, right? And if we want to respond properly to the amazing grace of God that he has shown us, then we need to know his voice. And we need to have a close relationship so that we know it is him who's asking us to do something. Ministry, then, is a result of an intimate relationship with Jesus. Jesus will work in this world through you and me. These God moments that we talk about, they don't always come with lights and sirens and bells and whistles. You're not always going to be handing out Bibles and having a salvation moment on the street corner. Sometimes lives are changed. Sometimes you do share the gospel and someone gives their life to Jesus. Those are cool moments. But a lot of times... Um, there's God moments that God asks you to participate in, and they're very simple. It's a smile to a stranger on the sidewalk. It's a conversation in the foyer. It's paying for a cup of coffee for the guy behind you. Let the guy in on Deerfoot Trail. Sometimes it's, it's a simple thing, but Jesus wants you to know his voice so that he can work through you. And now, 
We need to be obedient and listen to when he leads, and that is true Christian ministry. And a perfect example of that is yesterday. Debbie and I were driving back from the lake down at 40 Mile by Foremost, and I'm with the iPhone out, and I'm writing this part of the message, and I'm thinking, okay, walk in Christ, listen to the shepherd's voice. It's about knowing God, knowing his voice. He asked me to do something. I do something, and I pop my head up, and there's a pickup truck on the side of the road, and the guy's changing a tire. And I pass guys changing tires all the time. I don't always pull over. They, they got cell phones, three big guys. What do they need me for? Um, but this time, something said, pull over. Debbie, put the flashers on. We put the flashers on. We pulled over, and of course, I ran out, and we went back there. I talked to this guy on the ground, and his wife was there with the tire, and sure enough, it wasn't a normal tire change. Uh, the tire flew off. Uh, the bolts were gone, and this guy's trying to jack up the truck with this little thing. He's got nothing going on, and the sky's pitch black. There's a tornado coming in, and sure enough, uh, we tried to, I tried to jack it up. Nothing was working, um, and it started pouring rain. I mean, heavy. There were some vehicles pulled over on the road we couldn't see, so we threw everything in the back of our Highlander, and we said, Peter, Anna, nice to meet you. Come on in. Let's get you to Brooks. So they jumped in the car, and we drove them to Brooks. We had a conversation. I didn't pass out any Bibles. I didn't share my testimony. Uh, I didn't tell them about the love of Christ, um, but we talked, and I dropped them off 20 kilometers later in Brooks. I said, Good to meet you guys. Hopefully everything gets worked out. Pay it forward. And uh, shook their hands, and Peter and Anna went on their way, and that was it. Um, but I believe that it was in that moment that God was saying, see, Freddie, that's what it's about. You need to listen to my way. Because next time, it might be a different situation. and There might be lights and sirens. It might be a, a bigger moment in someone's salvation journey. But in that moment, God wanted me to listen to him and pull over and give Peter and Anna a ride to Brooks. So I did. Walking in Christ means Jesus will live in us and through us. And that's what he did in the moment there yesterday. It means responding when God's Spirit is leading you to do or say something in your day-to-day -day life. Now, when it comes to the believers in Colossians, in Colossae, Paul has just finished this agonizing prayer for them. He was reminding them of the truth of Jesus to stay away from false teaching from the Greek philosophy and the Jewish legalists. Stay away from them, he said. And he warned them to just stay true to what Epaphras, your pastor, taught you. Stay true to the gospel. And then he said that he pointed them back to Jesus. I want you to maintain your walk in Jesus. How do you walk in Christ? Um, for those of you who haven't followed any of the Colossians series, uh, I asked last week when I did announcements uh, if you know that the website has all our sermons on there. So for those of you that don't know, if you'd like to go through the first 10 sermons in Colossians, you can go to the website and we'll go to the next slide. There is the Thornhill Baptist Church webpage. There's seven tabs at the front and the red arrow is pointing on the sermon tabs. So you can click there and up will pop current series or archives. Click on the archives, and you can go and pick anything you want from Pastor Ken has preached a number of topical series. You can catch up on the Colossians series. So I'm not going to recap too much of what we've done, but for those of you who have never listened to a sermon, it's better to listen from your home computer than a lab, than an iPhone or iPad. But there you go. The website's got all the sermons, and you can catch up on that. Uh, so how do we walk in Christ? I think the scripture is pretty straightforward today. Um, we're blessed to be able to read the text and have it just tell us what to do. Therefore, as you have received Christ so as Lord, so walk in him. 
having been firmly rooted, being built up in him, established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. That's the, the, the big idea for today is how you received Jesus is how you are to walk with him. How you received Christ as Lord, that's how you are to walk in Christ as Lord. That's the bottom line. Uh, verse 6 here has that key word, therefore, in the, in the literal translations. It's therefore. But in the NIV, some of your others, it might say, so then, or now what? But I want you to know that, have you ever had anybody actually say, when you see the word therefore, you need to ask, what is it therefore? Okay? So somebody told me that. I thought, okay, okay. God's got that there for a reason. So when you read the text there and it says, therefore, God's got something for you to read there. So it's a connecting word. God is, what God is trying to do here is connect what the Apostle Paul just shared in verses 1 through 5, which was the last sermon, and he wants to connect it now with what's happening in verse 6 through 7. So the, the message that we preached on the last Colossian sermon was about Paul writing this warning letter to the new believers. And again, he was telling them, stay away from the false teachings about salvation in Christ. And he kept pointing them back to Jesus, pointing them back to Jesus. And now verse 6 and 7 here, we have this connecting word. Because Paul's 1,300 miles away. He can't come here to Colossae and fight the battle for these new believers. They've got to deal with this on their own. So he prays vigorously for them. He writes them the warning letter and says, you've got to go back to Jesus. Go back to Jesus. Go back to where you first met him, where you first got into a relationship with Jesus. And when you're on your journey, your walk in Christ... It may get overwhelming. You might get stuck. You might get in a situation like these Colossians are in. There's teaching coming in that you're unsure of. You might be confused. You're a little frustrated. What's going on here and you're not sure? Well, go back to Jesus. Go back to when you first met Jesus. Because, therefore, as you have received Christ, in other words, remember how you began this Christian journey, because how you met Jesus is the model for how you're to continue walking with him. Because think about it. How do we all meet Jesus? How did you meet Jesus? Think about that for a moment. How did the Colossian brothers and sisters meet Jesus? One word. They met Jesus by faith. Faith. You, me, the Colossians, everybody receives Christ Jesus as Lord through faith. The Colossians' relationship with the Lord started through faith. And verse 6 says, walk in him. How? Just the same way that you received him. By faith. Not by wisdom, knowledge, or being smart enough. Not by putting enough money in the plate or by doing good works. Because you won't even have all your questions answered to become a Christian. But you receive Jesus by faith. It all started with faith. It begins with faith. It continues with faith. And how did they come to know him by faith? How did they receive him by faith? They received him by faith because they believed what he said to them about their sin. They received him by faith because they believed that, that they were separated from a holy God because of sin. They believed that Jesus died on the cross for their sin. They believed that he rose from the dead so that they may have life. They believed that Jesus could fix the broken relationship between them and the creator. They believed that with Jesus, eternal life was possible for those who would turn away from their sins and put their faith in the gospel. That is what they believed by faith. And it is telling us very clearly today in the scripture that as you received him, so walk in him. It started by faith, 
So continue by faith. Now you might say, well, Freddie, are you sure that the rest of the Bible teaches about salvation and believing that it all begins with faith? Absolutely. Acts 16, Ephesians, John 1, 12. They believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Ephesians says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. John 1, 2. But as many as received him, John 12. To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believed in him. We all have to come to that humble place in our lives where we acknowledge that there's more going on here than we're capable of handling on our own. We are to come to Jesus by faith and trust what the Bible says that he accomplished for us. And what does it look like afterwards? If we received him by faith, then we're to walk with him by faith. And, and the Bible teaches that we're to continue. And Romans 1.17, Hebrews 10.38, 2 Corinthians 5.7, but a righteous person will live by faith. And it goes on to say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In Corinthians, we walk by faith, not by sight. When the disciples asked Jesus how they could engage with the Father and his kingdom activity, Jesus told his disciples, this is the work of God that you believe in him who sent me. So there you go. We're to walk by faith. And we're to work through faith because how you receive Christ is how you walk in Christ. That's the big truth. How you received him is how you are to walk in him. So we walk by faith. We live by faith. We work through faith. Why? Because how you received him is how you are to walk in him. Now, I know it's easy to stand up here and just say, walk in Christ, walk in Christ, and everything will be okay. It's, a, it's easy to put that on a bumper sticker. I'm going with God. Put it on a t-shirt. Walk in Christ. Walk by faith. It sounds good. Easy to say. Freddie, you're really pounding the point. Is that, is that important? Yes. But let's get really practical here. As we close with this, I admit it's easy to stand up here. It's simple to say on Sunday morning, walk in Christ. So I tried to sit back and think about, you know, what does it look like when we're facing the big challenge that we're trying to work out on Wednesday afternoon at work or in school? So let me give you a couple scenarios. <clears throat> You're having a tough time dealing with your temper. You're wrestling with that ongoing temptation or addiction. You're asking God to fix this relationship or heal your marriage. You're carrying this heavy weight and this burden of salvation for one of your family members or your friends. You don't want them to struggle through life anymore. You love them too much. You want them to have a purpose and a foundation. You don't want them to spend eternity away from you. Or like we talked about at the beginning, you're battling depression or you're feeling hopeless. You're wrestling with anxiety or past scars or present fears or future worries. Whatever it is, what do you do? The Apostle Paul says, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. How we receive him is how we're to walk in him. That's what the text is telling us this morning. And I know it might sound like a cliche or a little hocus pocus. Some of you, it might sound a little hokey, but we think that there's always got to be a time that we got to act. We've convinced ourselves that there's a time to be spiritual and there's a time to pray, but there's a time that we just got to get her done. That's the Alberta quote, get her done. But if you don't ever go out and do something, Freddie, it's never going to change. You got to go do it. You got to get things going. Grab the bull by the horns. Be proactive. The world's not just going to sit around and, and wait for us to do something. You got to do it yourself. 
And it sounds real good because society will applaud that type of thinking. You got to be smart enough, powerful enough, wise enough. You got to be able to do it yourself. But that's not the Christ life. That's not walking in Christ. It's not Christianity. Christianity is not about you living your life for Jesus. It's about Jesus living his life through you. And if we never get to that place in our life where we learn to rely on him and begin to allow him to live through us, then we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle. We're going to struggle because we know it's supposed to be him living through us. We're going to struggle with ourselves. We're going to struggle with our minds because we know in our minds the way things need to be, but it just doesn't transfer to our actions. And this is why it's a big deal because it sounds so simple. You know, if we, if we mess it up, we're going to be living very frustrated lives. But if we carry this out properly, it will transform our lives. One phrase, walk in Christ. What does it mean? You're walking by faith. And when it makes sense, you can live with joy and with peace. And the Christ life, again, it's about being, your relationship with God. And it's not about doing. And I'm not saying that it's about faith or works, but it's about working by faith. Faith and works is another, another sermon. Today, we're talking about working by faith. That's what the book of James is all about. James says, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith with works. All right? Authentic, genuine, wholehearted faith in Jesus will always, always result in responsive activity. Walking in Christ, walking by faith, does not mean we refuse to act. It's not a cop-out to just sit back and relax, but rather, it means we simply refuse to act until God leads the way. Does that make sense? Because that's what God does. He leads us when we submit to him. He leads our lives. Real faith in Jesus must have a response. Walking in Christ equals walking by faith. So at the beginning of the sermon, I said that I had this frustration and confusion and tension that I mentioned. Well, it's been resolved. This topic of living for Jesus or living like Jesus or imitating Jesus in your life versus Jesus living in and through you. It doesn't have to be a confusing issue anymore when you apply this message today. Now, we're going to close here with a response. We're going to sing a hymn, hymn 320, and next time I'll, uh, I'll get a little bit more into some of the imagery in verse 6 and 7 when it talks about being rooted in Christ and being built up in Christ. But today I want to finish with this idea of walking in Christ, walking by faith. So I'm going to invite up Ron Betcher here. And we're going we're gonna to sing this together. And just remember, friends, it means letting God lead and trusting and obeying that when we follow him, he will lead us to God moments. It simply comes down to you walking in Christ, knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then when he leads you to do something, you participate with what the Holy Spirit is doing. So why don't we sing together, and then we'll be on our way.